The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Oh, we're halfway there. Oh, living on a prayer. All right, that's it. I don't want to sing too much of that song because I know how contagious it is. And before you know it, it'll be stuck in everyone's heads if it's not already. And this song is ubiquitous, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. It's been played at countless weddings and high school dances since its release in 1986. And I'm not gonna lie, as much as I roll my eyes every time it comes on, I always sing along. It's an earworm for sure. And for some of you who already might have it stuck in your head for the rest of the day, I do apologize. But folks, we are halfway there. This is our second Sunday in Advent and Christ is coming soon. And I know it's been a while since any of us have been to a live concert or a show, so we may have to reach deep into our memories to connect with this metaphor. But at this halfway mark, Jesus's opening act has taken the stage, and it's none other than John the Baptist. Now, let's be honest, opening acts are often taken for granted, and they're often not remembered either. But we shouldn't overlook the power of an opening act. Sure, they're used to provide value for the ticket holder and even cross-promote different artists for venues that are looking to increase concert turnout. But more than anything, opening acts warm up the audience, making them ready and appropriately excited and enthusiastic for the headliner. And that's what John the Baptist is doing in our gospel today. He's setting the stage for the headliner. And if he were performing at a concert, he might be up there looking a little bit like Jerry Garcia. And it might sound a little bit like this. All right, y'all, this next one's going to be my last one of the set. And I hope y'all are having a good time. And I'm excited to be here proclaiming a baptism for the repentance of sins for y'all. But coming up next is one who's even more powerful than me. And while I'm happy to be with him on tour, I am not worthy to even tune the strings of his guitar, man. I mean, I baptized with you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So wilderness, are you ready? So 
John's opening set. It builds a buzz. It created anticipation. And because of his work, people were eager to experience Jesus, the one who is making all things new. And even outside of scripture, even outside of concerts, there are many stories of opening acts, trailblazers who paved the way for the ones who come after them, the headliners who then take the stage and get all the credit and glory. Take, for instance, Sarah K. Evans. Many people might not have known that name until August 1st of this year, when the Sarah K. Evans Plaza was opened in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. Now, Sarah Evans, formerly known as Private Evans, is now 91 years old, but it was her seemingly unremarkable trailblazing event that led to her public recognition almost 70 years later. In 1952, Private Evans was on her way home from her first military assignment when she refused to move to the back of the bus. Upon refusing, she was taken to jail and detained for 13 hours. She sued the Interstate Commerce Commission for discrimination. And despite a judicial victory in November of 1955, the ruling was not enforced until 1961. Furthermore, in March of 1955, a young black teenager, Claudette Colvin, she refused to give up her bus seat to a white person. Claudette had been exposed to the actions of Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman. And Colvin, Colvin was emboldened to resist the injustice she experienced on the city bus. As a result, she too was handcuffed and arrested. And like Evans, her story was hidden until recent years. You see, before there was even a Rosa Parks, the civil rights icon attributed with prompting the Montgomery bus boycott of 1955, there was a Sarah Evans and a Claudette Colvin, her opening acts. These trailblazing young women set the stage for the historic resistance, which would later be attributed to Parks. Their names are scarcely, if at all, associated with the civil rights movement, yet their actions precipitated one of the most pivotal events of the time. Evans preceded Colvin, Colvin preceded Parks, just as John preceded Jesus. If we look into our own personal histories, I'm sure we can point to many ancestors and friends in the faith who have paved the way for us, setting the stage for what would eventually become our own journey of faith. And it's the work of these folks that we can find strength from when we are nervous about taking the stage ourselves. Because after all, we are now the opening acts for those who will come after us. We are preparing a place for them on stage. And I guess the question becomes then, are we preparing a place for them where they can know the love and grace and forgiveness of God? Furthermore, beyond being an opening act for others, we are also an opening act for our future selves. In Bible study this week, I heard this quote, and it really hit home for me in these colder winter months, and especially as we experience these months during a pandemic. It goes like this. I keep trying to tell myself, keep working, because when this is all over, you'll be glad for the work you've done. It's like the long winters of the past, when the granaries would slowly empty and people started to fear spring would never come again. During those dark days, you do things. 
You repair your tools. You enjoy each other's company. You sing old songs and write new ones. You make ropes and nets and weave blankets and do anything you don't have time for in the summer. And it's hard to do, and it's hard to stay hopeful. But in that way, when spring comes, and spring does come, spring will come. You can start working in the fields with a brand new plow and good boots and a head full of songs. Our heads right now might be filled with only one song, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And again, for that, I do apologize for opening the sermon with that song. But today, let us also open our ears to the song that John the Baptist sings today, knowing for the one whom he sets the stage for, the one who will set everything in its rightful place. And as we work through these dark winter months that will give way to spring, let us sing and write our own songs with an evergreen hope. Like Sarah Evans and Claudette Colvin, who didn't know that their song of resistance would inspire Rosa Parks. We might not know who is listening in the audience and being inspired by our song, but we can find comfort in trusting that because of our song, the world will be an ever more excited and enthusiastic place when the headliner takes the stage, the one who is coming after us, the one who will make all things new, the one in whom we live and move and have our being, the one, the only, Jesus Christ. Amen.